It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A new poll from the Washington Post shows Joe Biden in a hypothetical matchup between Biden and Trump. And Biden and DeSantis shows Joe Biden trailing by a lot. A lot of conservatives are very excited about this poll. They think it's very encouraging. They think it is um, a foreshadowing of what's to come in 2024. And I regret to tell you that I have a very contrarian view about this poll. I don't think conservatives should get excited for it or about it. And I'm going to tell you why today. We're also going to talk about a new bombshell video that has surfaced in the Jordan Neely subway chokehold saga. So this is a very piecemeal story that we've been covering all week and a little bit last week, where Jordan Neely, who was a mentally deranged individual who had been arrested over 40 times, was uh, in an altercation with a former Marine vet on the subway because Jordan Neely was threatening people um, and acting very hostile. And during this altercation, Jordan Neely died. Now, the left wants to make you think that Jordan Neely was murdered by a white person who uh, who killed Neely just because Neely had black skin, but literally none of the evidence points to, points to those facts. There is no evidence that that is true in any way, shape, or form. And now a new video further exonerates this Marine vet, and we're going to show you that video today. Also, Anna Navarro of The View, perhaps the queen of bad takes, is recycling a talking point that I want to bring to your attention because this is a new talking point the left has begun to use just in the course of the last six months or so, but it is becoming one of their go-to talking points to gaslight you and me when it comes to events like this. So we're going to talk about that and learn how to debunk it. And of course, we're going to talk about Chelsea Clinton and her crazy new vaccine plan. In fact, that is how we're going to start the show. So let's get to it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, Chelsea Clinton is lecturing us again, specifically us as parents, and specifically in a very not so camouflaged way, casting shade on those of us who declined to get the COVID jab. But she is now expanding, expanding her supercilious lecturing about the COVID jab to other medical procedures that she wants to coerce us into undergoing. 
Um, if you think that sounds vague, she's not vague at all about what she's talking about. So I want to show you this video. This is Chelsea Clinton talking about vaccinating your baby. Take a look at this. I do think though, you know, when you ask about the role of public-private partnerships kind of uh, after the last few years, I think we spend so much time, understandably, uh, focused on the mRNA vaccines and technologies. I spend a lot of time thinking about um, the really uh, unfortunate, to try to use a not uh, too judgmental word, um, kind of rise in not only kind of vaccine hesitancy and questioning, but outright kind of um, rejection of vaccines and of kind of science and the scientific kind of process and also too often on our scientists, our epidemiologists, our frontline healthcare workers. And so I do think um, we need to have a much more robust conversation um, and sense of urgency, uh, because I think we are less prepared today than we were arguably um, in January of 2020, partly because of the kind of um, lack of, of trust and confidence in uh, in not only our scientists, um, but in, in science itself, um, and certainly in the public health professionals. And so I think we need kind of the public sector to hopefully stop doing things like stripping away public health emergency powers from state public health agencies. But we also need the private sector to help candidly like do a better job of helping explain kind of the science um, that you are already commercializing and bringing to market, but also what you're working on and, and help us kind of in the broader conversation, um, not be uncomfortable with the discomfort of uncertainty. Um, and so I do think we need really good ideas for how best to do that, um, because we all deserve to hopefully not be as unprepared as I worry we are um, at the moment. And the last thing I'll say is a, a new effort that we're a part of uh, is the new initiative launched by the World Health Organization last week to try to catch kids up on their routine immunizations. In 2021 alone, more than 25 million kids under the age of one missed at least one routine immunization. And so we're working with WHO and the Gates Foundation and others uh, to hopefully have the largest uh, kind of childhood immunization effort ever over the next 18 months to catch as many kids up as possible um, because no one should die of polio or measles or pneumonia, including in this country where we also need people to be vaccinating their kids. Absolutely. I know when I need advice for how to stay alive or for how to keep my family alive, the first people I turn to are the Clintons. That's who I like to go to for advice on how to stay alive or the World Health Organization or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Those are my go-to experts for how to, how to take care of my health and how to stay alive. This is just the creepiest video, right? This is just, this is the playbook that the left wrote during COVID, which they didn't even invent during COVID. They had built this playbook using big pharma and the revolving door between big pharma and the regulatory agencies in the executive branch of the federal government. This is, uh, they, they built this first in big pharma in our government, then they applied it during COVID. And now they're taking this template they've created and they're trying to apply it to other medical decisions that either we make for ourselves or that we as parents make on behalf of our children. This is what I would say to you. This is what I would say. I know that there are gonna, some, there are gonna be some people who are like, well, what's the problem, Liz? Why do you have, why, do you, why are you taking issue with a, um, an initiative that would push childhood vaccines? They're gonna probably call me an anti-vaxxer and I literally don't care what anyone on the other side calls me. They also call me a conspiracy theorist and a domestic extremist and all kinds of names that mean absolutely nothing. Let me tell you how I think about this and what I hear when I hear Chelsea Clinton saying this. First of all, 
I say, um, why should we trust these people? The people that are acting as these experts, Chelsea Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, which is Bill and Hillary Clinton, the World Health Organization, which is um, run by Dr. Tedros, who is a, a puppet of the Chinese Communist Party, and Bill Gates and his foundation. Why should I trust these people? What makes these people the experts? These people are all people who stand to profit off of forcing us to do certain things with our bodies. And they have a track record, all three of them, the World Health Organization, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and the Clinton Foundation have a history, not only of, of corrupt practices in the marketplace, but of pushing and coercing and sometimes mandating, or at least supporting mandate of medical procedures that actually harm us. So why should we trust these people? Um, what is their motive here? Sitting here, Chelsea Clinton, I, I don't believe that she's sitting there as a concerned citizen. I don't believe that she's sitting there sharing her perspective as a mother of three small children saying, oh, I want you to have the health care that I have for my children. I don't believe that she has pure motives here. And you shouldn't either. And I'm sure you don't because you're smart people. Her motive is corrupt. Her motive is the same that the Clinton Foundation motive has been for the last two decades, that somehow mind-bogglingly escaped from prosecution, but their motives are profit. Their motive is to rake in as much money as possible, and they use any anything that can possibly that they can possibly squeeze a dollar out of as a partner. Whether this was their, the earthquake in Haiti, whether this was shady money that Bill Clinton got after he gave a speech in Russia when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, any number of these things. The Clinton Foundation is. If you had to put a picture in the dictionary next to corruption, it would be the Clinton Foundation logo. The Clinton Foundation is the perfect example of that. And you can tell this because these people, whether it's Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, whether it's the World Health Organization, whether it's Chelsea Clinton and the Clinton Foundation, you can ask, you should ask the question, well, do they allow any dissent from their opinion? If Chelsea Clinton thinks that every child under the age of one should get the full CDC vaccination schedule without any exceptions or any individuality, without any acknowledgement that for some kids, vaccines can cause side effects that are uh, worse than their risk of the specific disease, depending on their circumstances. If these people don't allow any dissent and any questions and any skepticism and any, in any participation by parents, then you know that their motives aren't true and that's not science at all, not actually science. And the sentence that, the sentence that she uses, um, I wanna read her exact quote, the unfortunate rise in vaccine hesitancy and outright rejection of vaccines and science and the scientific process. This is just something straight out of Anthony Fauci's mouth. You, you must believe, you must be inoculated exactly how we say, because we are the science and we, this is the dogma of science. And you, as a sorry person, are not allowed to question it. Forgive me if I certainly will question it. Her version of science is not a real version of science. It's politics, it's ideology, and it's profit. And the COVID vaccine wasn't the first time that this playbook was put into practice, but it was the biggest example of this playbook being put into practice. And the Clinton Foundation apparently is now going to be part of using this playbook, this template on our children again and again and again. I spent a long time researching this whole issue when I was pregnant with my daughter and shortly after her birth, because I don't take anybody's word for anything. I wanna read the actual science, the actual studies, the actual data, and do risk analysis, risk benefit analysis for myself. And I highly encourage each and every one of you to do the same. Because let me tell you, people like Chelsea Clinton and the World Health Organization and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are not telling you the truth. And they're not science.
Okay, let's talk about this poll, this Washington Post poll that's ostensibly bad news for Joe Biden. It shows him um, in a hypothetical matchup between he and Trump and between he and DeSantis. It shows him losing significantly, especially to Trump. A lot of conservatives are celebrating this. I don't really think that this is indication that we should celebrate. And I don't mean to be a pessimist, but maybe this is a cynical point of view, but I'm gonna tell you why I'm feeling this way. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, so let's walk through this poll from the Washington Post first. We'll... we'll We'll uh, discuss what it says, and then we'll analyze whether this is a good sign for Republicans leading into the 2024 presidential election cycle or not. A lot of conservatives think this is a good sign. I'm not so sure. For some reasons, we'll analyze shortly. But this is what the poll says. We're going to show it to you on the screen, and I'll read it for anybody who's listening. The first question in this poll is, would you like the Democratic Party to nominate Biden to run for a second term as president in 2024, or would you like the Democratic Party to nominate someone other than Biden as its candidate for president? Among Democrat-leaning adults, 36% said nominate Biden, while 58% said nominate someone else. Identifying Democrats, it was 47 to 47, so equally divided. It's a pretty, that's a pretty significant number right there to see half of the Democrat voting base does not want the incumbent to run again. And then independents who lean Democratic, only 17% want Biden to run again in 2024, while 77% do not. That I think is actually the most significant number right there, because it actually is independents who swing one way or the other. That's why they call themselves independents, that oftentimes determine the outcome of a presidential election. It doesn't mean that these independents would necessarily vote for a Republican, but it does mean these are the people that won't vote in an election if they don't like, personally like, if they don't feel a connection to one of the candidates, they're totally fine with not voting at all. So the fact that only 17%, that's less than two out of 10, um, independents who lean Democrat want Biden, but 77, almost eight out of 10, don't want Biden. That's pretty significant. So the next question is, um, do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling his job as president? Only 36% of people say they approve. 56% of people say they disapprove. 36, look at that number. And then look all the way over on the left when it shows it shows um, January of 2021, which is when Joe Biden would have been inaugurated. The numbers were opposite. The numbers were Joe Biden had a very over 50% approval rating and, um, and it's completely flip-flopped. It's completely flip-flopped. Probably 52% approved when he was inaugurated and now it's only 36%, whereas disapproval was about 42%. 
at the beginning of his term, and now it's 56%. That's huge. That's, that's significant. And I know I said I was going to be a contrarian on this, and it's not because these numbers aren't significant. It is interesting to watch the trajectory, but there's more factors here at play than just, than just people's feelings on a poll about the president of the United States. So the next question is, who do you think did a better job handling the economy? Donald Trump when he was president or Joe Biden during his presidency so far? Uh, 54% of people said Donald Trump. Only 36% said Joe Biden. That one seems kind of obvious to me. People who understand the economy, people who rely on their paychecks to pay their bills and feed their families, people who have to buy gas and groceries understand that Joe Biden sucks for the economy and understand that under Donald Trump, we experienced the lowest unemployment rates, especially for specific demographics like women and black people and Hispanics and disabled people and veterans in like recent history. So this one seems pretty obvious to me. The next question is, do you think that Biden or Trump is honest and trustworthy? 41% said Biden, 33% said Trump. Has the mental sharpness it takes to effectively or to serve effectively as president? Only 32% of people said that Joe Biden has the mental sharpness it takes to serve effectively as president. Well, 54% said that Trump has the mental acuity is in good enough physical health to serve effectively as president. Only 33% said that Joe Biden passes that bar, while 64% said that Trump is physically fit enough to serve effectively as president. This is one of the areas that I'm uh, very contrarian about. I don't think that this question impacts people's decision whether they're going to vote for Joe Biden or not vote for Joe Biden at all. I don't think that there is a statistically significant number of Democrats who walk into the polling booth or fill out their universal mail-in ballot and give it to the ballot harvester who drops it at the the -the round-the-clock unmanned drop box. I don't think there are Democrats who say, you know what? I like what Joe Biden does. I like his ideology. I like his politics. But you know what? He stutters a lot. He stumbles a lot. He seems totally out of it. So, you know, I'm going to vote for the Republican instead. I just, I don't believe it. I don't think that people make those decisions. And the reason I don't think that is because Republicans used this in 2020 and it didn't make a difference. Republicans have already tried this talking point and it didn't work. Trump tried it. This was one of his, this was Sleepy Joe was Trump's nickname for Joe Biden and it didn't make a difference. Joe Biden literally campaigned from his basement because he wasn't capable of campaigning, of going on the campaign trail. And it didn't make a difference. I hate when Republicans use this I don't think it's effective. I think it's a waste of a political attack. I, it's true, of course, it's objectively true, but sometimes things are objectively true and they are still not effective accusations or effective political tools, effective narratives to change someone's mind about who they vote for. The next question is, do you think, oh, that's the same one. Um, the next question is, if the candidates for president in 2024 were either Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, the Republican, and Joe Biden, the Democrat, would you definitely vote for the Republican? Probably vote for the Republican. Definitely vote for Biden. Probably vote for Biden. Or are you undecided about that? This is very interesting, my friends. Look at this one. So in a Trump versus Biden hypothetical matchup, 36% of voters said they would vote for Trump. They would definitely vote for Trump. 9% said they would probably vote for Trump. 32% said they would definitely vote for Biden. 6% said they would probably vote for Biden and 18% said they were undecided. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV Channel 347, UVerse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. That's great. Cool. Looks like, looks like Trump is ahead, but not by a ton. Same in the DeSantis versus Biden. This is um, definitely vote for DeSantis is 32%. Probably vote for DeSantis is 10%. Definitely vote for Biden is 32%. Probably vote for Biden is 5%. And undecided is 21%. So in both of these hypothetical matchups, Biden against Trump, Biden against DeSantis, the Republican, Trump or DeSantis, comes out definitively, though marginally, on top. A lot of conservatives are really excited about this, and I don't feel excited about this at all. I'm not sure exactly what the big takeaway of this poll is, except newsflash, it's going to be a close election. Yeah, no kidding. Of course it's going to be a close election. I don't believe that we're going to experience in probably our lifetimes, although certainly in the next few elections, I don't think we're going to experience some... some election where it's just not close, where we have this, this runaway candidate and then a candidate that's just crushed. That's not going to happen. Our country's pretty evenly divided ideologically, and it's always going to be very close. Plus, political parties tend to shift a little bit. And with culture, with the times, if you will, and they position themselves so that they are competing for the middle of the ground voters. And so it's, it, like I said, I think probably in our lifetimes, but certainly in the next decade or two, we're not going to see anything except close elections. That's my biggest takeaway from this, from this poll is, yes, it's going to be a close election. Okay, cool. We're also like a year and a half away from it. So who even knows what the state of the world is going to be, what the state of any of those three candidates is going to be, one of whom hasn't even declared that he is a candidate for even the primary, let alone the general election. Too many factors, too far ahead. Um... The more important things that are going to impact the election is not whether you win public opinion on on, um, Trump, DeSantis versus Biden. It's actually not the most important thing right now for the public to recognize that Biden is a terrible president. It's not the most effective thing to simply convince people that Biden has made their wages go down and their cost of living go up that he has gotten us into this forever war again, Ukraine versus Russia, that he has uh, presided over this crisis, this impending crisis at the border, that he sacrificed Afghanistan back to the Taliban and lost over a dozen American lives. Like, we all know this. We know this. The American people who are going to turn out to vote in 2024 know all of this. But just like 2022, it's not just a matter of whether you convince people that they don't like Biden. People don't like Biden. And they didn't before the midterm elections in 2022. That we're good on. The two things that Republicans need to focus on instead of just sitting back on their heels and being like, oh, phew, it looks like we're up by seven points or whatever it is. 
in this poll. That means we have some cushion here. We're just gonna ride to victory in this election based on the fact that people don't like Biden. You mark my words right now. If Republicans do that, if Republicans sit back and count on just voter dissatisfaction with Biden as the number one reason why they think they're gonna win in 2024, Republicans will lose in 2024. That's simply the facts of the matter. Because what's gonna make the biggest difference is the get out the vote efforts. Republicans, even if we have one public opinion, are not going to be able to compete with an apparatus built by the Democratic Party that is built on universal mail-in ballots sent to everyone, not just requested as an absentee, but sent to everyone, drop boxes that are placed around cities that are unmanned that anybody can take through ballot harvesting, can take ballots to. We are not going to be able to compete when the Democrats have these, they call them get out the vote operations, but these targeted voter collection drives where they identify a demographic of people that they think will vote Democrat and then go seek out, go recruit, go fishing for those votes and then deliver them. If Democrats do that and Republicans don't, then Republicans are going to lose. That's what happened in 2022. It's partially what happened in 2020. And moreover, just because a voter, and this is something that Republicans from top to bottom don't recognize because we reject the false allegations of the left, which we should, but voters that are dissatisfied, voters who are dissatisfied with Joe Biden's performance, voters who recognize that Joe Biden has been detrimental to our financial system and our country, that doesn't mean that they're willing to vote Republican. It's not this binary decision that, that Republicans typically assume that it is. It's not a binary decision where a voter says, you know what, I, I, I voted for Joe Biden in 2020, but now I'm really dissatisfied, so I'm gonna take my vote away from him and give it to the Republican because the Republican is offering me something better. No, 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 no. That's not what happens. It's really not a binary situation here where Democrats who voted for Joe Biden but have become dissatisfied with Joe Biden's performance as president will, because of that dissatisfaction, switch their vote to Republican. That's not how it works. They may not vote. They may sit it out. They may vote for a third party. They may still vote for Biden. But Republicans oftentimes don't understand the mental and pseudo-moral hurdle that Democrat voters must climb over in order to even get themselves to vote for a Republican candidate. Because think about it. When the FBI calls you a domestic extremist, how does that make you feel? Probably kind of laugh, right? Like you're horrified. You, it's a little bit scary because the FBI has power. They can weaponize the federal government to target you. But at the end of the day, you're not worried that that's true. You're not like personally offended. You're not really insulted. You're more just righteously indignant because it's an abuse of power, right? Or think about when the left calls you a racist because you voted for Donald Trump. Again, you might feel stung because it's a false allegation, but you feel stung because the allegation is false. You don't feel stung because you worry that you are a racist. You know you're not a racist and you know that voting for Trump doesn't make you a racist. So you and I have grown this very thick skin um, where 
it just kind of doesn't bother us when the left calls us a name. Like, sure, call me a transphobe, a homophobe, a racist, a sexist, a bigot, hateful, an extremist, a terrorist, whatever, a basket of deplorables. We kind of just laugh because it's so absurd. It's so hyperbolic that it just doesn't seem real to us. It doesn't impact our self-image. It certainly doesn't change the way that we view politics and the way that we are committed to reality. That's our worldview. And it's something that we should be very proud of. It's something that we've had to cultivate as a party, cultivate as activists, because the left has become so nasty in the way that they attack us. But not everyone is as practiced in this deflection as we are. In fact, the majority of the American people who aren't necessarily the political nerds that we are, who haven't developed this thick skin based on decades of false allegations that just, whatever, don't bother us anymore, they can't bring themselves to vote for Republican because the Republican brand has been so tarnished in pop culture. I'm talking about in music, in Hollywood, even country music at this point, right? In Hollywood, in music, on TikTok, um, politically from Democrats, people have been told over and over and over that they are bad people if they vote Republican, that the very idea of what the Republican Party stands for is tinged with racism is tinged with bigotry, is tinged with hatred. And most people in our country are good people. We are all created with an innate, well, human nature that makes us want to be good to other people, do good for other people. And so the idea of joining a coalition or casting a vote for a party that they've been told over and over and over and over is bad for reasons that are specific, not just Republicans are bad, but, but Republicans are racist. They perpetuate white supremacy. They're bigoted. They hate gay people. They want trans kids to die of suicide. These things impact human nature, impact people's ability to transfer that vote from Biden, even though they're dissatisfied with Biden, and cast that vote for a Republican instead. And Republicans from the top, I'm talking the RNC and elected members of Congress, elected members of the Senate, all of the super PACs that, that fund advertisements and initiatives, think tanks, activist organizations, nonprofits, whatever you wanna call this enormous Republican apparatus, don't recognize that voters are not simply engaging in this binary choice where if we can just convince them that they're not satisfied with Joe Biden, that it'll flip it right over to Donald Trump. That's not the way it works unless we engage in an aggressive, PR campaign that rebrands Republican values as the reality that they are, which is not bigoted, not hateful, not homophobic, not racist, none of that. It values human life, it elevates human prosperity, it promotes human flourishing, it's inclusive, uh, like the melting pot our country was intended to be, unless we meet people where they are, actually listen to them and say, tell me what, what you believe, what you value, and let me then help guide you to apply those principles to a party that, let me tell you, isn't the same as what you've been told, then we're never going to win. So this is the root of my cynicism about this poll, is I don't think it's just a matter of changing people's minds, changing public opinion on Donald Trump or against Joe Biden. I think we have a lot, a lot of work to do to build up voting, get out the vote apparatuses that match the left, even if we don't agree with the fact that the left has changed it from 
voting day to voting season. Doesn't matter, we have to compete in voting season right now or we're never gonna be able to restore voting day. And we have to combat the branding of Republicans as extremists or else it doesn't matter if people are turned against Joe Biden. They're still willing to suffer what Joe Biden has caused them to suffer versus them personally suffering being called racists and bigots and homophobes and hateful extremists. Again, the root of my cynicism. Um, I also want to show you a video. This Jordan Neely subway death is this piecemeal story that we've been following for the last few days, this week and last, late last week. Jordan Neely was a mentally ill man who engaged in an altercation with a uh, Marine Corps veteran who happened to be white. Their skin color should not be pertinent to this story because there's absolutely zero evidence that racial animus played any role in this altercation. But the left, of course, always wants to insert race into everything. So. Um, Jordan Neely lost his life in the course of this altercation with this Marine Corps vet. Black Lives Matter and the left are oddly blaming police, even though police had nothing to do with this. Um, but they are accusing this Marine Corps vet of murdering Jordan Neely and murdering him because he was a black man. However, more video has surfaced of this altercation and the immediate aftermath. And I wanna show you this because what you will see in this video, the audio is not perfectly clear, so I am gonna narrate to you what's happening in this video. So Matt, you can go ahead, you can go ahead and start playing this, but what you're gonna see is the end of this altercation when Jordan Neely is laying on the floor of the subway and the Marine Corvette is standing up from where he had restrained Jordan Neely along with several other passengers on the floor. What they do, as you can see in this video, is they put him in recovery position. Anybody who's worked as a first responder in the military, in the medical field, knows what recovery position is. It's the position that you put someone in if they fainted, if they have lost consciousness, if they have had a heart attack, or I suppose not a heart attack, you would try to render some other type of aid. Um, but as it's named, it is recovery position. In the background, you'll hear some murmuring. If you bring this up on your own computer and listen very closely, you'll hear other passengers complimenting this Marine Corvette for how he handled this situation since Jordan Neely was threatening and as acting hostile, acting out, and the Marine Corps vet was protecting himself and those around him. People around him, this is the most important part of this video. People nearby to this altercation, witnesses to this altercation, which means witnesses to Jordan Neely's death, were not acting as if they witnessed a murder. Not even close. They were acting as though they witnessed a tragedy. They were acting as though they witnessed something that was scary and that some brave person, this vet, this veteran, this Marine veteran, saved them. We knew that more information would come out. We know that Black Lives Matter are liars. We know that, that, that Congresswoman AOC and Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and Congresswoman Ayanna Presley called, these, called this white supremacist violence and murder, and someone on Twitter called it lynching. We know the left does this to spark racial divide in our nation, but we also knew that it wasn't true. Thank goodness for citizen journalists who actually get out their phones and videotape things that are happening. Otherwise, this poor man who was acting in defense of his community, this, this Marine Corvette, might have been on the hook for murder for something that he didn't do, a murder. A, a, there's no evidence that this was a murder, but the left wants you to think that it was. Thank goodness for journalists. There's actually a fundraiser for the defense fund for this Marine Corps vet, and I'll post it on Locals for anybody that's interested in assisting him since the Black Lives Matter movement and the left are not going to let this go.
They want Jordan Neely to be the next George Floyd. Speaking of having a loose grip on reality, this this headline from the Daily Mail, you'd think actually that this was a headline from the Babylon Bee, but it's not. This is a real headline. Let me read it to you. We'll show it on the screen as well. It says, trans woman is cleared of flashing her penis at Ohio YMCA after judge ruled she's too fat for her genitals to be visible. Well, there's a lot to process in that headline. Let's read it again. Trans woman, that means a biological male, is cleared of flashing her penis, don't think those two words can go together, her penis, at an Ohio YMCA after a judge ruled that she's too fat for her genitals to be visible. Good Lord. Good. I, I actually feel bad for Seth Dillon and the folks at the Babylon Bee because how can they write satire headlines if this is what they're competing with? If this is reality, who could possibly, who could possibly write satire? So a couple of things here. The most important of which is morbid obesity. I got a little bit of backlash last week, I believe it was, for making fun of Lizzo at um, the Met Gala and for making fun of Lizzo, I think it was at the, at the um, Grammys when she looked like that, the giant Furby. I got a bunch of emails and a bunch of messages from people who were like, Liz, I like what you do. I'm a huge fan, but I don't think that you need to be making fun of fat people. And um, I responded to a couple of you because I think I like to hear all of your feedback. And my point was, well, I'm not, I'm not degrading Lizzo for um, being fat. What I am doing is countering the narrative that she is, the political narrative that she's projecting, which is quote unquote body positivity, which is a lie because it's not just about how you feel. She's promoting the idea that morbid obesity is quote unquote normal, that morbid obesity is healthy, and that other people should embrace it. This is an unscientific, it's um, unhealthy, it's actually a deadly ideology that she's propagating. And given that it's a deadly ideology, I think it's safe to say it's a dangerous narrative that she's propagating, and I refuse to take part in that. It is um, counter to objective reality to say that, that fat people can be healthy. It's it's um, what's the phrase that they use in the, in the medical field now? Health at every size. That's that's just that's just a, a contradiction of reality. And this is one of the ways that the left is trying to assault objective reality. Just like they try to do it with racism, they try to do it with skin color, they try to do it with um, with sex and gender. They also try to do it with with something that our eyes and the data from the scientific field and you know just empirical evidence tells us is true. They try to tell us that we can't believe our own eyes when it comes to the health impacts of morbid obesity. I actually talk about this because I care so much about people who are suffering from morbid obesity and I don't want them to fall prey to the destructive narrative that Lizzo is propagating. All of this being said, the left has actually embarked on stage two of their uh, fat phobic body positivity movement, labeling those of us who, who speak the truth like me as fat phobic. Um, and in, in an effort to normalize body positivity. That was the first stage. And the second stage is to elevate people who are morbidly obese to a protected status. Meaning, apparently, if you are morbidly obese, because you are morbidly obese, you are now immune from legal consequence if you are a sex predator that exposed their genitals to people in public, possibly even children, at a YMCA. Because you are morbidly obese. Like, was the judge there? Do we have video footage that proves that this, this speculation is true? Would someone who is not morbidly obese be treated in the same way? Of course not. 
But this is what the left wants. This is not just a hilarious, ridiculous, unreal, absurd headline. It is all of those things. But it's also shows us that the left has, like I said, put, put their vehicle into the next gear of their plan to destroy objective reality and to use morbid obesity as, um, as, as a way to do this. We also have a poll that I want to discuss. This is a poll. It's a new Washington Post poll that uh, shows how many people in our country believe that sex is sex, meaning believe that sex is man and woman and that that's an immutable characteristic that was determined um, you know, when you were in utero, when you were conceived, your DNA, versus gender being a spectrum that is related only to identity. This is what it says. The question is, which statement comes closer to your views, even if neither is exactly correct? Someone is a man or a woman, determined by the sex they were assigned at birth. Someone can be a man or a woman, even if that is different from the sex they were assigned at birth. Now, of course, you and I probably both reject the premise or reject this phrase assigned at birth, but this is the phraseology they used in this poll. Of all adults in our country, 57% said that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, and that's determined by the sex they were assigned at birth. 43% said that someone can be a man or a woman, even if that is different from the sex they were assigned at birth. Again, I gotta be a little bit of a contrarian here, not to bring anybody down, not to be the bearer of depressing takes today, um, but like the other Washington Post poll about Biden and Trump and that hypothetical matchup in 2024, a lot of conservatives are saying, well, good, thank goodness, we still, we still hold um, a majority in this country. Nearly six out of 10 American adults believe, that, believe in man and woman and that you can't change, that that's an immutable characteristic. And I'm looking at this in a little bit of a different way. I'm looking at this in a glass half empty way, intentionally, because to think that four out of 10 American adults think that you can simply identify as a man if you're a woman and that makes you one and vice versa is terrifying. And this has happened in the space of less than 10 years. The, the transgender ideology, the movement, really took, um, accelerated in about 2015 in our country, 2015. Because I remember talking about this in 2016, 2017, and I was still on the outskirts of what conservatives would talk about when I was talking about it. Four out of 10 American adults think that a man can be a woman if they simply identify that way and vice versa. This tells us that we can make all of the arguments in the world about what you know, these transgender surgeries do to young children, abusing them, and we should. We can make all the arguments in the world about chemical castration and it rendering people infertile. We can make all of those arguments, but if we don't combat this at an institutional level where this indoctrination is taking place, we're gonna lose public opinion on this issue as well. And once we lose public opinion on this, we're not going to be able to regain it. This is one of the issues on which, against which I am judging any candidate running for any seat in government at any level in 2024. If you are not based on this issue, if you are not willing to talk about this issue, if you do not understand the threat of this issue against our country, that it, the threat that this issue is posing to our country, then you're not qualified to serve in office. Fortunately, so far, 
our Republican candidates seem pretty good, but I can't end this show on a positive, on a positive, cheery, optimistic note after giving you so many pessimistic takes. So you will have to do with that. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.